This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And let's be honest, all of us listening to this podcast, or many of us, did not expect to be talking baseball uh, in the first week of June. And it's June 1st when you guys are probably listening to this, or May 31st when we're recording this. Nobody expected, based on their season, that we'd be talking Arizona baseball. So a lot to go over tonight, plus basketball commitments, football news, softball news, so much going on. Shotgun Spratling from D1Baseball.com is going to join us. Let me just say this off the top, Shane. Next week, we're actually not going to be doing a show for the first time in 140-plus weeks. Uh, You have a much-deserved vacation, so we're going to take a week off for once. So uh, let's hope uh, we're getting all the big news out of the way this week. Well, no, because that's a guarantee that everything is going to – everyone's going to be fired. Everyone's going to be – there's going to be all kinds of crazy off-field, off-court crap that goes on. Everything that people want to talk about, we're not going to be able to talk about next week. But, yeah, we first time in uh, almost three years, we're not going to do a show during the week. We'll do one early the following week, so – but fortunately, we got a lot to talk about, like you said, uh, basketball commitment, football stuff, softball stuff, and the baseball team and probably is heading to uh, is headed to regionals despite not winning the Pac-12 tournament. I know you got to be at that championship game. Uh, what was the atmosphere like at that game? I did. You know, it was great. I walked in. There's probably about 5,000 people there. Majority Arizona fans. It was loud. But I yeah. walked right in, got right behind home plate, uh, a couple rows from the press box. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a quick game. It was about two hours and 40 minutes. Um, good crowd and just came up short, but I, I'm glad I went, you know, I figured, Hey, I live 15 minutes from this. Uh, I would really feel bad if I missed an Arizona conference championship. Listen, I went to a lot of Arizona games this year. Don't blame me. They were the basketball team was three. You were at the men's basketball champion, the tournament championship. You were at a lot of the football wins. So you had to get the win in San Diego. So yeah, no, no, no Cohen curse. So four and four in football this year, uh, three and in basketball, and Owen won in baseball, still over 500. Over 500 uh, combined. We'll so, so don't, so don't blame me for the curse this year, as in previous years. But let's get right to it, Shane. We have a lot to discuss here on Buy or Sell, which is presented by Ice Shaker. Go to IceShaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, and get five dollars <sighs> off your purchase. Or you can go to Fanatics.com and get something like the beauty that Shane has uh, in his hand uh, right now, or you can see behind me. All right, Shane. The number one story. Despite losing to Oregon in the championship game, Arizona deserved to pass ASU and USC to make the postseason field, buy or sell. Well, I'd like to back up a little first because I don't don't necessarily think that selection committees, regardless of the sport, should weigh weigh teams uh, where they finish higher than the way they begin or or perform in the middle of the season. Uh, With that said, Arizona's metrics definitely stood up well compared to ASUs and USCs. Arizona had a better RPI than both of them. I know Shotgun's got plenty of opinions on that. A lot of the D1 baseball guys say they should be should be reformed there, but you look beyond that as well. They had a better strength of schedule than both of those schools. 
a significantly better non-conference strength of schedule, which I think is a big point as well in men's basketball or in women's basketball. Play good teams and you get rewarded for it, especially if you happen to beat them. Uh, so, and they also had a better record against quad one opponents, according to uh, WarrenNolan.com. So, based on those metrics, I think the selection committee made the right call. I don't necessarily think it should have been Arizona versus those teams, but if you're looking at which one of the three should get in, there's plenty of arguments for all three of them. But Arizona certainly had a case to be made. All right. So, uh, d- first of all, let me say this: watching Arizona play on Saturday night, they are one of the top 64 teams in the country. I'll give you that. With that said. I also think the committee was did did other teams wrong. They put too much mm. emphasis on what have you done for me lately uh, later in the season, you know, the, the tournament, uh, postseason tournament. After we recorded uh, last week, uh, we talked about the Oregon State win, Arizona blitz Stanford, who was number three in the country at the time. I, I think they weighed into that too much. I'm sorry, but they yeah. lost 10 conference games I actually games agree with row, you, yeah. And I, I think it was, they did not deserve to be in. If they had if they had beaten Oregon, obviously they would have deserved it. Though they are one of the top sixty-four teams based on their resume, yeah, they did not deserve to be in there. I guess so, the question is: uh, Do you want to get the the sixty-four best teams now, or the sixty-four teams that deserved it based on their overall performance? I think it's overall. The, yeah, I, think it's I, overall. I do too. I do too. And I think that the biggest strike against Arizona was their regular season conference record: twelve yeah, and eighteen. They lost they ten lost, in they a row. Lost sixty. Game. Yeah, sixty percent of their conference games yeah. uh, in the regular season. Uh, and thank goodness for the Pac-12 tournament because without it, they wouldn't have gotten in. They wouldn't have got no probably gotten close. If you look at so Baseball America and D1 Baseball, they weren't even on their next four out uh, going into the conference tournament. So, uh, look, they took advantage of their opportunities. I'm thrilled they got in. I'm thrilled they have Me the sure. opp- same kind yeah. of opportunity that mm-hmm. Ole Miss had last year, and maybe they'll yeah. take advantage of that. But, yeah, it was, the reasoning for some of those things was a bit bizarre. So uh, this was a not really a buy or sell, but we did the other week, we did the hot seat meter. Uh, I gave Chip Hale an eight. You gave him a lot lower of a number. Now that he is in the uh, the field of 64, mm. where would you put his hot seat meter sometime in 2023-24? Yeah, I think I had it at a five before. I'll say a, a two or three now, but I, I don't. I mean, I somewhere in a three to five range, probably, you know, and regardless of what happened in the Pac-12 tournament. And and again, thank goodness we had that this year. Uh, I still think Chip Hale deserved one more year to get things right. And I think that's just one area where you and I are going to continue to disagree. But now after the finish to the season, the invite to regionals and just everyone emotions play into this, right? Everyone feels good about Arizona baseball right now. The run they made in the conference tournament. And then the the video we saw of the guy celebrating after getting in mm-hmm. and meant the world to them. Uh, with that said, I think it's, it's reasonable to expect a program like Arizona with the kind of history that program has, let's not forget they have had a lot of success, a lot of championships, a lot of college world series appearances over the years. I think it, it's, reasonable to consider a trip to regionals each year as the minimum expectation. Uh, and I, that should be the expectation and minimum again next season. Um, and the, the bar is going to be raised a little bit because of that. And if that doesn't happen, if Chip Hale doesn't get him there, we can certainly revisit that discussion. All right. So I'm putting Chip Hale's hot seat meter next year, Shane. You ready for, I had an eight before I'm putting it as a one. He made, okay. they made it to the tournament in his first two seasons. I mean, they didn't. I mean, odds are they're probably not getting to the the final sixteen or even Omaha, but they made it to they made it to the final sixty four, and I think this bought him at least a fourth year uh, at Arizona. With that said, uh, recruiting not great. Uh, according to Perfect Game, who tracks recruiting rankings, they are fifty sixth in twenty twenty three and forty fourth in twenty twenty four. That is a problem. I yeah. still don't think Chip Hale is the guy because of that. I have no problem with his coaching. But recruiting is a big problem. 
And to me, I just don't think that's going to be fixed under under Hale. Um, I would expect Arizona to miss the tournament next year. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, he's still winning with a chunk of Jay Johnson's guys. So you have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, but the transfer I mean, the, the transfer portal changes everything in just about every sport. You know, Arizona can make up for some of those uh, deficiencies in, in terms of bringing guys out of high school in the in the transfer portal now. So uh, pitching obviously has to improve. That's the big thing. They lose some of their top hitting as well. But uh, now I like I don't know if Chip Hale is going to have as much success as Jay Johnson or even Andy Lopez. But to to say that you know going in even if they hadn't made made the re, re, made regionals this year to say that that he's going to be a failure, I just still think. It's premature. Maybe that's just me being stubborn, but that's just the way I feel. Okay. Uh, number two, let's talk about this one. So softball did not make the postseason for the first time since like 1985. Yeah. And they fired a notable alumnus. Uh, Taryn Moat McKinney was let go as the pitching coach for the Wildcats. Which Former Wildcat on, country guest as well. Yeah. We, on yeah, the we, show. we did yeah. have Taryn on we, and we really enjoyed talking to her a couple of years ago. So my point is here, Shane, buy or sell, firing a notable alumnus from their position kind of leaves you with an uncomfortable feeling as compared to somebody that didn't have a prior affiliation with the program. Uh, I'm sure it was a lot more uncomfortable for them than it was for me. Like, I, I can't imagine how difficult that conversation was, you know, and I don't know if it came out of the blue or it was, you know, it was months in the making or if it was kind of out of the blue, but, you know, Caitlin Lowe and Taryn Moat, they, they won two national championships together at Arizona. They were team, they weren't just coaches together. They were teammates. Uh, so their relationship goes back almost, you know, almost two decades. So, now, look, it, it's almost impossible. It is impossible to know exactly what goes on behind the scenes. And for that reason, I don't want to make a bigger deal out of this than it, than it probably is. But I will say that pitching has been the number one issue, just like for baseball, for Arizona softball, since Caitlin Lowe took over. Who's to blame for that? I don't know. Uh, maybe Caitlin thought Taryn wasn't being aggressive enough in terms of recruiting and the transfer portal. We can only speculate on those things. Uh, maybe it was just too big a time commitment for Taryn. Uh, but yeah, it, it makes me a little sad, but obviously the pitching needs to improve on this team. I don't know if this is the way to fi- to, to go about fixing that, um, but I'm interested to see who Caitlin uh, replaces Taryn with. It's got to be a, a pretty good uh, home run hire, no pun intended, in order for it to, to make a lot of sense. I, I think it is awkward to obviously fire an alumnus like this. I mean, there's a reason that it's probably a lot easier to hire non-alums, just so you don't have to worry about this one day uh, when something doesn't go right. So, I mean, it. I just, I feel bad for Taryn. I, I wish it could have worked out. Arizona does have the ninth best recruiting class, uh, according to uh, what I what I was looking online uh, for, uh, for recruiting rankings. So obviously they're, you know, Caitlin's recruiting well enough, unlike Chip Hale. So I, I think she's going to bounce back. I think Arizona will make the postseason next year. If she doesn't, uh, then we're going to have a different discussion. Okay, number three, a lot of you, you're listening to the show. You're like, how is this not the number one story? Well, we had to make you get 10 minutes into the show before we talked about it. Caleb Love is, uh, he was at North Carolina. He made the national championship game the other year. Uh, he was, he transferred after this year, uh, went to Michigan. Uh, something happened there where it didn't work out. And now he is committed to Arizona. So Shane, uh, number three, Caleb Love is the missing piece for Arizona basketball. Although likely it means a small three guard lineup. Well, it, it actually occurred to me before we started recording, Eric, that Arizona now has two guys who have played in the national championship game. You're right. Yeah. Love and, and, and Shaw Johnson. So we have guys with that experience. Obviously, Jaden Bradley has some as well. Um, I'll buy it in that it's nice to have some depth at the guard position, which Arizona, I think, was desperately missing last year, despite their success in the regular season. I, I think that 
in order to win in March, you have to have great guard play, you know, and I'm not just parodying what Casey Jacobson said, but it really does seem to be true. Um, I would still rather have, you know, just to back up a little bit, I still rather have Ryan Nemhard than both Caleb Love and Jaden Bradley, just because I think Nemhard's more of a game changer than either of those guys. But going okay. back to your question, like, and it's a guard centric league, NCAA basketball. If you don't have great guards on your team, you're not going to amount to much. And while I'm concerned about Love's field goal percentage, uh, he didn't shoot better than 38% any of his three seasons at North Carolina. We're not talking about three-pointers. We're talking about field goal percentage, period. Uh, I do like that Arizona now seems to have what you call uh, an alpha on their team. Yeah. A guy who yeah. wants the ball in their hands late. Caleb Love, we know, isn't afraid to take that the, the late uh, big shots. I think Kylan Boswell might be in that category as well. He hasn't really... He's a little green last season, didn't really get a, that opportunity, but I think they may have at least a couple of alphas uh, this coming season. So going forward, I think, you know, you want to have at least two guys who want that pressure in late game situations who are willing and maybe even able to make uh, take over late in close games because they didn't have that guy last year. So uh, I think that was sorely missing from last year's team. And and I think that, that it's it. It was not. It was a nice. Uh, I w- would assume final addition to uh, to their roster, assuming Tobias isn't coming back, um, and it, it makes them a top twenty five team for next season, and maybe even a top ten if they if, if the sum of, of this team is bigger. If they the team is better than the sum of its parts. So I think this is a, a much needed addition. I, I like the three guard lineup. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see Boswell, Love, and Jaden Bradley. Uh, you know, with Kishad Johnson and Umar Balo. You know, with Pella Larson should be first off the bench. Uh, listen, I love it. As you mentioned, Shane, an alpha, and that's what Arizona badly needed. Um, you know, 30, uh, 37, he's a 37% shooter, uh, you know, average 16, 17 points a game the last couple of years. He is a Kira Creasa-esque player, mm. but he's, he has that experience. I mean, you have a guy that, that, you know, albeit it was kind of disappointing in the regular season, as far as what UNC did the last couple of years. I mean, he took him to the national championship game. Uh, and that experience when it matters, because Arizona has won these, these regular season games, and then they basically just get scared in the postseason. You don't really have to worry about that with Caleb Love and Keyshawn yeah. Johnson. Like they've experienced it on the biggest level two years in a row. Uh, these are huge additions. And I, I I'm gonna apologize because I was wrong about Tommy Lloyd and his recruiting. I doubted it the other the other uh, month when we were on, and I was saying, you know, where is it? Why hasn't he done anything? Now, listen, it's he's fortunate the Caleb Love, the Caleb Love commitment did not work out to Michigan. Yep. Let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. With that said, he capitalized on it, and now Arizona has an alpha. They you Boswell might be an alpha. Caleb Love very well should be an alpha. You have some front court depth. Now you have, you know, if any of these European guys pan out, like yeah. Morauskas, if he's ready to play, this team. So here's the thing, Shane. So uh John Rothstein, uh, who we all see he's been on. CBS and and he, he writes a column on FanDuel. He put Arizona number five in the in his early rankings. Yeah, uh, too high for you. Yeah, I I mean they don't mean much of any anyway. But no, I think that's a little am- ambitious. I mean, there's a lot of ifs that have to pan out there. Oh, and Morauskas, by the way, as far as I know, he's the only guy who isn't isn't official with Arizona next season. Um, hopefully that all comes together. It'll be but, soon. Yeah, after yeah. His, after his team is eliminated in Europe. Yeah, so it's not been made officially official yet. But but yeah, it, you talk about you know Arizona needs some shooting and Morauskas. We talked to Ignacio uh, Risotto last week, who knows all about him and Krivas. If you haven't listened to that interview, definitely go check it out. Uh, Morauskas, if he can get a, get on the court, he might be their best pure shooter. He's a great outside yep. shooter. So yep. that and I think it, as long as one of the uh, 
the European guys, uh, whether it's Vesar or or Krivas, is able to be a, a solid backup to Balo and eat up some minutes and be a good rim protector. Then I think you have got a great team, maybe a bit more depth than last than the last season. And uh, like I said, a team that is a little more guard centric and a team that maybe is at least on paper built a little better for March. I am really, really excited now to watch this team. I don't know if they're going to be good. I don't know if they're top five good. I'd probably put them like 12th, top 12 good. Gary Parrish got him 16th after the love, uh, which I think is more more realistic. I think they're really interesting, Shane. I mean, Caleb Love at Duke again. Yeah. I mean, if any reason to commit, that's it right there. Mm-hmm. They are going to be fascinating. We'll talk more about them over the summer. But great job, Tommy. You know what? You proved, you proved me wrong. I, I doubted you. Uh, other people doubted you. You went and you got one, a top recruit for 2024 or a couple top recruits, and then you you landed a couple impact transfers who made you know the national championship game in the last two years. Good and, job. And I just Bravo. say, can I say how nice it is not to have to worry about any postseason ban anymore? Yeah. Just go into the season knowing that's not going to be an issue. The hammer's not going to drop. That's over. That's done with. And we can finally put all that crap behind us. This is the first offseason we've had that since, what, what six years? So yeah. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled just for that reason to look ahead. Speaking of postseasons, let's talk with Shotgun Spratling from D1Baseball.com. Let's find out if he thinks Arizona was deserved. It was deserving of making the NCAA tournament. Easy for me to say. Here in Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? It's Robbie G, baby. And I am gearing up for a big year with Coach Jed Fish and excited to see what the Arizona Wildcats do this football season. And just like the football team, we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed U of A ice shaker, baby. Check it out and get it at fanatics.com. Bear down, Arizona. Let's go. As we talked about earlier in the show, this is not what we intended to be discussing this week. But it's a good thing because Arizona is in the uh, NCAA baseball tournament, and now we have an expert to come on and join us to discuss it. Shotgun Spratling from D1Baseball.com joining us. Shotgun, uh, glad to have you. You were at the Pac-12 tournament. You saw everything. I was at the championship game. Let's start off with an easy one. Did the NCAA tournament committee get it right in selecting Arizona over USC and Arizona State? Uh, maybe over those two, probably not, uh, definitely not over UC Irvine. Um, and I don't think Arizona is the only team that got in that shouldn't have got in over UC Irvine in particular, and probably USC. I mean, the, the numbers I, I give credit to Arizona for what they did in the conference tournament going three and one and, you know, really boosting their resume, but still 16 and 19 in your conference aggregate, uh, you know, versus USC who was 18 and 14, I believe it was. So, I mean, that's just a huge discrepancy there to me. And the fact that it had been in the last 25 years, no Pac-12 team had won 17 games in regular season conference play and not been in the tournament. So I thought USC should have been in. Now, what I'm ex- ex- thrilled to, to see that Arizona got in. Now, should have been at the expense of those a couple of teams on the West Coast? No, but I think it, more so than blaming Arizona for that, I think the selection committee is at fault um, just because they completely ignored that the West Coast was relevant um, and said, there's this thing called an RPI. We'll just use that. Uh, Is there any other metric out there? Apparently not. Not to the selection committee, um, which everyone on the West Coast will tell you, hey, the RPIs are slightly going to be declined because you play a lot of the same teams. So therefore, it brings everyone's RPI back towards the mean. And, you know, everyone's known that. That's why – 
Grand Canyon was able to get in last year with a 50 RPI. That's why we've seen some teams in the past get in with slightly lower RPIs than you would expect, and why teams like Georgia get don't get in, don't even have a chance to get in with an RPI of like 42. I think they were the, the lowest uh, um, to not get in uh, or the highest not to get in of RPIs this year. But everyone knew like that team's not getting in because they're conference records. Same thing with Louisville in the ACC. So when you look at Arizona and you compare maybe to one of those two teams, you go – What's the big difference there as far as your conference record not being good? Now, Arizona, you know, played some quality teams early in the season. I'm sure that helped a little bit, but there was nothing on their resume that really like was, wow, oh my goodness, they got to win against Tennessee. Great. They got to win against West Virginia. They also lost twice to West Virginia. Uh, they only played one game against Tennessee. Um, you know, so there's, there's just not something that you point out and be like, okay, that's the reason why that team should get in over somebody else. So it goes back to, okay, what what did they see? What's the one variable that Arizona is ahead of other teams on the West Coast and ahead of some of the other teams that got left out? And it's RPI. It's just straight RPI, and we saw that from the selection committee. So I was very um, infuriated, I guess, with the, the – with the selection committee, with what they did, and it started the night before, actually, with the with the selection of the host, the fact that eight SEC teams get in, and you know you're going to go straight RPI, and which they did, except for one, and it just so happens to be Auburn, who's the AD happens to be the chair of the selection committee, like. Oh, what? Uh, he's going to recuse it. You know, he's going to walk out of the room, and no one's going to think to, you know, that that anything is as salacious is going to be happening there. Like, no one's going to talk over their bagels in the morning. You know, so it's it's just it's it's disappointing, honestly, because I thought we had started to move past this the last couple of years. Like that, you looking at the merit of teams, and hey, there's always going to be one or two teams you go, oh, I thought that team should have got in versus this team. I didn't think Ole Miss should have been in the tournament last year. They won the whole thing. So give credit to them. I thought a team like Rutgers should be in. I always feel like you should reward a team that's having basically the best season they've had in 15, 20 years versus a traditional power that's struggling to live up to their expectations. And that was Ole Miss last year versus Rutgers. So I thought Rutgers should be in, but similar metrics. And hey, you get, you know, you get the benefit of the doubt if you're the SEC, it seems like always. Um, and hey, I, I guess they there's a reason why as they go and win the national championship. But, yeah, I was disappointed in the selection committee and the way they went about things and just focused straight on RPI. And that led you back to the Pac-12 tournament. Going three and one, I think it you know boosted, I think it was 10, 12 spots in the, in the RPI, if I, if I remember yep. correctly from my last yep. story. I don't know. They kind of blurred all together from, uh, from the Pac-12 tournament. But, um, you know, I think it was Arizona jumped 10 or 12 spots for the entirety of the week. Whereas USC, I think, dropped two spots. And I think Arizona State was about the same, maybe dropped one or two spots too. So, you know, it, you wonder if the roles are reversed and, you know, USC finishes 45 in the RPI or Arizona State and, you know, and it, you have Arizona at 47. Are you talking the same thing? Or is it, well, that seems 45. That's higher than the other ones. And we didn't really look at all the other metrics. So, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, how they went about choosing the the, the metrics that they used. It seemed like it was pretty much straightforward RPI and give credit to Arizona for really boosting theirs in that final week. Yeah, I took a couple of things away from what a uh, couple of comments the selection committee chairman made, which I think you highlighted on Twitter. Was he mentioned the uh, the margin of victory in Arizona's last two games against ASU uh, were a factor for putting Arizona in and a- and leaving ASU out, which tells me two things: number one, margin of victory is apparently a thing, and number two, that they weighted the end of the season more heavily than the beginning because ASU beat 
swept U of A earlier in the season. They won three out of five, but Arizona won the last two. Obviously, like you, I'm thrilled as a Wildcat alum that Arizona got in. But what are your thoughts on that? That was a really dumb comment, to be honest, um, because you're saying, okay, we value two midweek games more importantly than a three-game weekend series. And this is from a person who was a head coach at Mississippi State, a head coach, uh, I think, uh, uh, I know he coached in Missouri, I think a head coach at Kentucky too. So he knows the value of midweeks versus, uh, you know, the weekend series. And that's essentially what this was. You you had a midweek game, Arizona blew out Arizona State. And then, you know, what's really interesting is that they bring in this, the factor of the the final game that was in the Pac-12 tournament. Arizona State basically said, we're not going to rush any of our top-end guys back to pitch against Arizona, and we're going to focus more on, the, on Oregon State, going to you know have more rest, that type of thing, whereas Arizona went for it more, um, you know, bringing Aiden May back, or, or basically not even bringing Aiden May back, saving Aiden May on Saturday of that uh, USC series and saying, hey, we're going to punt a little bit on this game to have him ready to go in the, in the first game of the Pac-12 tournament. And what a decision that was. And I think you're going to see there's going to be some repercussions from that. I think that you're going to see the Pac-12, if they continue with the same Pac-12 tournament uh, format, is they're going to go World Cup style, and every game is going to start at the same time on the final day of the regular season because Arizona was able to wait and see, okay, it's not really going to change. We're going to be the 7th seed, we're going to be the 8th seed, but we're still going to be playing Arizona State regardless. We'll change pods potentially, who's at the top seed in the pod. But – we're going to be playing the same team that first game. So what better way to kind of position ourselves with the committee and, you know, what they're going to be paying attention to. I guess they started paying attention the last two weeks of the season and uh, you know, that really benefited Arizona. So yeah, there was that comment. Now, I, a lot of these comments were, you know, it seemed to be in slight of Arizona. Again, you know, I'm ecstatic to see Chip Hale and his group get in that offense was crushing it in, in Scottsdale. They really played well. It's very similar to their park uh, back in, uh, high Corbett, so that definitely you know made sense. Um, but there was also comments made about the Northeast, and I cover the West Coast. I cover the Northeast, and saying you know one of the first things that John Cohen said was, "I don't have much familiarity with the Northeast." Why would you say that to begin with? Like, if even if it's true, like uh, I'm just going to back away from that and be like, "Yeah, you know, they have some challenges early in the season." Mm-hmm. Let me just leave it at that. I don't know exactly what they are. I don't know how you deal with it. Yeah, but I have I don't have much familiarity. Were you not the chair? Were you not? Were you doing other stuff? Did was your AD job more important? And I, maybe that's what the case is that I didn't really put much effort into the selection committee job. Not I don't know. I don't know what yeah. it was. Um, and then also for you know I wonder what Mark Harlan did, the AD from Utah, to that Arizona gets in. Now there is a backstory there. You know, Mark Harlan did work at Arizona for 18 years. Maybe that played into it. I don't know. But why are you not pushing for Arizona State and USC to get in as well? If you're the AD, like you know, you it, there's always the connections on the committee. Always well, I can tell you why they don't want USC in there. I think we know that. <laughs> I mean, we we can explain that one fairly easily. Maybe yeah. that was it, and maybe it was the rivalry with ASU. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, you expect that, you know, your West Coast representatives should be pushing for the West Coast, and it didn't feel like uh, that the West Coast was represented very well. So you wonder what Mark Harlan did in those conversations. All right. Well, so Arizona's in. No taxi backsies moving forward. <laughs> Let's look ahead to the Fayetteville Regional. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a tough draw all the way around. Arkansas is one of the best teams in the country. Then you got a couple of other teams that are coming really hot, TCU and, and Santa Clara, both riding long winning streaks. 
who do you see coming out of that region? And, and if you think it's Arkansas, who do you think is the number one challenger for them? I mean, I do think it's Arkansas because they play so well at home because they don't play anywhere else but home. Yeah. They played four one, at home this year. Yeah, they played one non-conference road game this series this season. One, one non-conference road game. I know it's tough to play in the SEC, but are you are you are you kidding me? Like, didn't hurt one, them though. Didn't hurt them. They got the number three overall seed. Of course it didn't. You know, if you looked at the eight top seeds, the SEC, the the road win percentage for those eight top seeds was like. Uh, you know, below 60%, everybody else was over 60%. So it was like a 10% difference in ro- road win because they don't have to go on the road. And if the committee's not going to de-incentivize it, then why would you, you know, give them credit for saying, I don't think the committee's going to do, do crap about this. So I'm just going to go with it. And it worked out for them, but they are really tough in that ballpark. Uh, you know, the fans get behind them. You get the, the pig suey, the, the hogs getting called and everything. It's a great environment. I would love to be there for it. But I think they play so well there, and they're getting healthier. It's been remarkable what they've done this season with the fact they've had a ton of injuries, and they've played through them and continued to win. So give them a, cut, a ton of credit there. I think Dave Van Horde is one of the best co- coaches in the country. Um, the the biggest challenger, I think, is Arizona because I think that they can hit the ball. Um, and I think that, you know, TCU, I saw them, uh, you know, probably a month ago at West Virginia was – I'm shocked the way that they ran through, um, you, you know, the the Big 12 tournament, the way they did give credit to them. They have some talent, but similar to maybe Oregon, who just won the, the Pac-12 tournament, is they, a lot of their arms are freshmen. And I don't, I don't really want to trust freshman arms in a place like Fayetteville in the postseason. So that's why I'm not too confident in TCU. Now, Braden Taylor, their third baseman, is a monster. And he's been a guy we've been going, Where's, when's he going to really turn it on? When's he really – and it's turned on right now. So, you know, watch out for him in this one. Um, they've got uh, a couple of, of, of playmakers at the top and bottom of the lineup in Richardson, Trey Richardson, and uh, Austin Davis, the West Virginia transfer, who just catches everything in right field. Don't hit anything in right field because he'll, he'll flip over a wall. He'll go crashing into a wall. He's been on ESPN, uh, you know, Sports Center top ten, I think five times already in his career. I'm not. I'm not, even, not exaggerating there. I think it's four or five times. So you know he makes spectacular catches all over the place. So they've got some defense um, and they've got some arms, but again, they're, they're fresh. They're relying a lot on freshmen and some of their older arms just ha- weren't doing much last uh, last I saw them. So we'll see if they have progressed and really taken a step. Some of the guys they need to in the bullpen, but I think Arizona has a great chance to to put up a fight for sure. Um, you know, if they get enough pitching, that's always the question with Arizona, it feels like. But the bats are hot right now. You know, and a guy like Nick McClary, I love watching that kid play. He brings heart and soul every single night that he's on the field. And he's the type of guy that won't let his team lose if he, if he can do anything about it. Whether it's, you know, if he has to somersault over somebody to score a winning run, you know, the guy, the, the defender may be 6'7". He's going over him, you know, even though he's like 5'10". It doesn't matter. Like, he's that type of guy. He just does everything well for them. You know, the defensive player of the year in the Pac-12 was super offensive as well during the uh, the season. And playoff Tony has been, uh, you know, has been turned on. And I think that's a big thing. Tony Bullard just makes such a difference in lengthening the lineup when he's going. And Chase Davis is a monster. That's just simply put. So the question is, do you believe Arizona has to win every game 13 to 12 or 13 to 10? Or do you see them being able to win a low-scoring game a la you know, basically what was the Pac-12 championship game where they fell short against Oregon? No, I think they can win that style of game. I mean, I think there are one or two plays that go differently in that game, uh, in the championship game, and Arizona's the team walking out. I, I thought that a couple of breaks went 
Oregon's favor in, in this one. Um, so, you know, I don't think they have to do that because you look at the the runs they gave up in the tournament outside of the Oregon State game, and that was, you know, a lot of those were late runs. I think it was the last uh, five runs at least. So they were comfortably ahead in that, but it was 12-3 and 14-4. So, you know, they held Stanford tremendous offense to four runs. Arizona State obviously can get really hot, held them to three runs. So they're fully capable of winning those low-scoring games. And they showed that in the last couple weeks of the season. I mean, they won a game against USC 6-3. They won a game against Irvine 4-3. So, you know, do you hope they don't have to win every game 13-12 or 21-20 and force a team to miss an extra point? Uh, but, you, you know, I think that they are capable of winning because I thought Zastro was really good really good for them in that Stanford game. And I think he actually was better going on short rest because the changeup got even nastier, um, just had more dive and more dip on it. And then, you know, Aiden May has really transformed himself into being a Friday guy. So now if he's on full rest going into this, I think he got a good chance and you feel comfortable with a couple of those guys. Now the back end, you get a little worried. Um, obviously you got Barraza back there who, you know, Showed you a lot in that Oregon – was the Oregon State game, I believe it was. Uh, some big plus situations. But you get you start getting worried real quick if you do it. So you need some length out of your starters. And if you get some length out of your starters, you can feel pretty comfortable. So, Shotgun, I'm not the biggest fan of Chip Hale leading this program just because he doesn't have the college experience. Do you like Chip Hale as a college baseball coach and a recruiter? Or do you have your doubts as I do? So the biggest thing that Chip Hale did was keep Dave Lawn around. Uh, you know, th- if you want to go in, and it, this has been an issue from Tony Gwynn to Chad Kruder at USC, like anytime these pro guys come in and, you know, if they don't keep the right guys around or that, you know, you can bring some guys in, but it's even even more valuable if you can keep somebody around like Dave Lawn who knows the ins and outs of the school already. So he knows the administration, administrative part of it and can help with all that. And, and Chip Hales told me, you know, that is, it was crucial for him to keep Dave Lawn around and a couple of the guys they did um, that can help out with the administrative stuff and help him with all that stuff as he was transitioning, the recruiting portion of it. Okay, what's allowed, what's not, all the type stuff. So I think, he, you know, it, it's not ideal for me to go to the pro ranks and bring somebody in, but I think it's worked out really well because they hired the right people around him. I think Willie Bloomquist at, at Arizona State was similar. Hey, you got to get the right people around him and – you know, there was a couple of missteps there that I think set them back a little bit, not being able to retain Jason Kelly, um, but getting Sam Peraza, another guy that's been around pro game, I mean, the college game for a long time. I think those were big steps instead of, hey, I'm going to bring the guys that I know from organized, you know, pro ball, um, just because I know they're great teachers. Well, it takes more than that to be a good college coach. Um, when you're dealing with the administrative side, you're dealing with 20 hours a week versus, hey, just show up at the ballpark. You want extra work? That's great. I'll get you extra work. Um, and that, that's the type of players that normally succeed the most. You can't necessarily do that in college. So uh, those type of things that you have to deal with, the administrative side, the fundraising, all that, I, I think that keeping the right pieces around, I think Chip Hill did a good job of that. Last question for you, Shotgun. Uh, I just want to ask you about how Arizona baseball is viewed nationally. You know, and only only four programs have won more national titles than Arizona has, and only four programs have, have gone to more College World Series. Although ASU is one of those four in both situations, but it seems like they don't get a lot of national respect in spite of that. Maybe because they're not consistently a national contender. What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, I wouldn't think of Arizona and be like put them in the pantheon. Uh, but you, when you look at the numbers, you're right. You know, they're right up there with a, a bunch of, of programs. And in, I think it is the consistency in the last couple of decades. 
Um, you know, I think the same thing when you look at USC. Obviously, USC is the most prestigious program in all college baseball. 12 national championships. They've been in the postseason once in the last almost 20 years. So, um, you know, it's hard when you're not in the in the picture the last two decades to consistently be there for people to think, okay, that's one of the true powers. Now, when you had Jay here, Jay was doing it more consistently. Andy Lopes, Lopez had his ups and downs, especially at the late end, obviously taking the, the, the team to the national championship. Um, but, you know, when you're not, when it's kind of being up and down and there's not consistency, that's when, you know, you, you wonder about it and you don't get the same recognition, I think, on a national level um, as you, as you would, you know, if you're an LSU and you bring, 7 million fans to Omaha every single time you go and you're there every three or four years, it feels like, or, and there's other programs out there that are, have been tremendously consistent that don't necessarily have the cachet nationally, but probably should like Texas tech. I mean, that's a team that Arizona state, Arizona plays pretty much every year. Um, Tim Tadlock has done a remarkable job there, getting them to Omaha pretty consistently TCU under Jim Sloshnagel. And those teams are the ones you start thinking about, okay, these are, the new age national powers and Arizona, you know, hasn't been consistently up there with those type of programs. So I think that's why they're a little bit maybe on the second tier or third tier of teams you think of on, from the nationals perspective. All right. Two part question, shotgun. We really appreciate you joining Shane and I great, great info uh, tonight. Uh, so thank you again for that. All right. First of all, how many wins does Arizona get this weekend in Fayetteville and part B who is winning the national championship? I picked LSU to win the national championship so in, our, did I. Yep. in our pre. Yep, uh, they just have so much talent. Um, the only other team, the, the one thing I will say is every team I've watched this year, I've gone, there's this deficiency and that deficiency. I mean, I'm like, I feel like every team that I've seen is not good in some way, except for Wake Forest, because they they just have dudes all over the place, and LSU's talent, not LSU's team. But LSU's talent is remarkable. Now, can they put it all together? The fact that Jay was able to do it with, the, you know, the piecing it together to make it to the championship series against Coastal gives me belief that he will be able to do that with LSU this year, piecing it together in different ways. When you have Paul Skeens on the mound, that man is unbelievable. I'm just disappointed we didn't get to see him hit this year. So I picked LSU in my in our you know our roundtable that we did on D1 baseball before the season. I picked Tennessee. Thinking, you know, sometimes it's the team, not the most talented team at a school, but the team after it. You know, you, you see that. And even that's happened at Tennessee with T. Martin taking them to a national championship, not Peyton Manning. So I thought that might be the case, but I've been very disappointed in their pitching, be kind of sliding back. So I'm going with LSU to get there. Wake Force would be the other team to keep an eye on just because they're so talented. Um, as far as Arizona winning this game, the how many games they win, I've got them at win two. I'm going to go with two. Um, I haven't played out the bracket all in my mind. I think I have them as the runner-ups because in our bracket challenge on D1 Baseball, we have you have to pick a winner and a runner-up. I believe I picked them as the runner-up, so that would send them to the regional final. Um, and, you know, that I think that's at least two wins, maybe three, depending on when you fall into the loser's bracket type there. But uh, I, I think they can have a good show, and I think they can upset them. I, I think they're capable of it. But they've got to get more from the – guys between the you know the starters and Barraza or you know they've got to get more out of your Dawson Nets out of your TJ Nichols you guys that have talent but have struggled to just be consistent this season I mean if, if TJ Nichols comes out and just you know gets thrown in the mix and suddenly throws you four shutout innings like that's would be such a surprise but he's so capable of it because of the stuff he has 
that you that could be such a big boost in a in a regional environment because you you can get so thin on pitching. So you know they have guys like that that could be those you know those 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 heroes that haven't been throughout the season. So that's why I think Arizona has a good chance just because they've got a ton of talent that maybe hasn't performed as well as it even potentially could. Well, Shotgun, we really appreciate you joining Shane and I. Great info, and uh, we definitely hope down the road to have you on and talk preview next year's uh, team. But uh, best of luck this postseason. I'm sure you'll be quite busy. Always, always during the postseason. Thanks to Shotgun for uh, for joining us. Good, great info from him. He's very detailed. And listen, I mean, we're, we're going to make our picks for baseball later in the segment, so I don't want to spoil anything. Let's talk a little football. First of all, uh, rest in peace to Derek Bowles, who played at Arizona about five years ago. Defensive tackle, uh, died of cancer. Uh, just incredibly sad. Just young, two, two children. Uh, sickening. So uh, a really uh, a big loss there, Shane. Uh, but on a on a somewhat happier note, uh, Arizona's uh, TV times were announced for the first three games of 2023. The NAU game is a 7 p.m. start on Pac-12 Network. Mississippi State game, 4.30 p.m. on SEC Network. And UTEP is an 8 p.m. start, which, you know, I'm rolling my eyes significantly for on Pac-12 Network. So basically, the first three games that Arizona has, including against a marquee SEC opponent, aren't even on one of the big networks. Are you surprised? No, I, I the only thing I'm really surprised about is that both of Arizona's home non-conference games aren't at 8 p.m. or later. That's a win. The fact the NAU game is that You're that's right. really early for yeah. them. 7 p.m. Right. That that that's a win right there. So yeah, uh I actually didn't know the Mississippi State game was only on SEC network, but I think if you're an ESPN subscriber, do you get you get that too? Or? You do. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I got I got Fubo and I, I think I'll be able to watch that one. Yeah. Um uh, but, but still it's disappointing. Like this is a this is a marquee non-conference game against with two teams that you know should make a bowl game, and it's stuck in the middle of the afternoon. You know our time; it's a prime time game, seven thirty start for Mississippi State. You know a night game for them. I was hoping it would be an early game like on ESPN or ESPN two. Really yeah. kind of disappointed with this one. Uh, I guess they don't think as much of Arizona this year. Remember, you know last year we started on CBS against San Diego State, and now we're like we're not playing a marquee game. You know, the Stanford game in the fourth week is definitely not going to be on anything big. So you're not playing a marquee game until the Washington game, which is, uh, you know, September 30th or whatever that is, October 1st, something like that. You know, a month of anonymity, I guess, for uh, for Arizona to start. And if the Arizona year. stays in the Pac-12, that's likely to continue, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to – I didn't want to go there uh, this week. There's, that's okay, there's I There's a lot did. of rumors <laughs> with with Colorado. I mean, yeah. the people that, that, that I'm talking to – Basically, they're saying the Pac-12 is is planning on staying together. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Colorado. But even if they were to leave, I, I don't. Basically, from what I hear, there's no other plans immediately for anyone else to move. Oh, boy. Um, I, I think academics uh, and the prestige of the schools that are in the conference are still a big deal for a lot of the school presidents. And whereas the Big 12 has none of that, like none of those schools, you're not, you know, you're not saying, oh, I need to be with Kansas State. Like that doesn't move the needle like Stanford or Cal, for example. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it either. <laughs> we, uh, had Dennis, we had Dennis Dodd on to ch chat about it a while ago. Maybe we'll try to get him back on again soon. So uh, I want to talk a little more football. Sporting News put out a list of ranking the college football coaches 1 to 133, and Jed Fish was literally right in the middle. Uh, I think, Shane, they got this one wrong. What do you think? He was 73, was he? Yeah, I, it's... It, it makes no sense to me. This is a guy that that 
that has turned around a team and you're no. putting guys that are unproven ahead of him. I, I don't well, really get it. Look, I, I, I think we both agree that Jed Fish was a good hire and we were both wrong about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm very happy to be wrong about that. Uh, but the fact is he's six and 18 in two seasons at Arizona. And that's not all his fault. Uh, it's not mostly his fault. And five wins last season, uh, considering what he inherited is, was a borderline miracle. And he's, and this team hasn't turned a corner yet. They're, they're pulling up on the corner, but they haven't turned it yet. So, so I, I get it. And he's got two years of head coaching experience. But how I, is Kenny Dillingham 54th? He's never coached a college game, Shane. Well, that's, that's stupid. I agree. That's stupid. I mean, now, uh, that, Ryan Walters, former Arizona assistant now at Purdue. He's 70th, never coached a college game. Yeah, no, that's silly. Th th those parts are silly. Absolutely. Some of the people ranked ahead of him are ridiculous, but having him middle of the, of the road, look, if he keeps winning, he'll keep moving up. It's like in, in, you know, the rankings, you don't like where your team's ranked, you keep winning and, and you'll move up. So, uh, you know, if Arizona makes a bowl game this season, his stock will continue to rise, which will be both a good thing and potentially bad thing for Arizona football fans. But uh, I think that, you know, trying to be a little more objective from a national perspective that, that you look at Arizona, okay, he was one and 11 and then he was five and seven. Now I know perspective is needed there. Uh, but I, I, I had take issue with some of the coaches ahead of him, like Dillingham being that high ahead or being ahead of him yeah, at all right it, now is silly for being an assistant. I, no, I, I mean, I think, it. I think the Dillingham hire was actually a very good one for you, but he hasn't done yeah. anything yet. No. So I, it doesn't mean it's silly. He should be last, but I think being that far ahead is kind of silly. But as far as Jed being middle of the road, I'm okay with that for now. Jed should be in the fifties in my opinion. Okay. I mean, look at the recruiting. I, he's, oh, he's out recruited. Yeah. Even from the start. I mean, he, He's turned Arizona around and absolutely and amazing years. what he's done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just from a recruiting perspective, you know, it's like the antithesis of uh of Chip Hale, where uh Chip had a lot to work with when he came in and uh Jed had nothing to work with. I thought with you were gonna say Kevin Sumlin. You can well, kind of no, apply but, that to the Kevin Sumlin as well. Oh, right, yeah, because someone well, someone had more to work with than than Jed did. Right, I mean, right. so that's what I'm saying. And then, then, it, then it dwindled, and now well, and right. Jets have having to pick up the have, pick up the pieces, just like Mike Stoops had to do with with John Makovic. Right. Back in the day. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right. Well, speaking of Chip Hale, he listen, uh, Chip. I apologize. I didn't have faith, and you're apologizing to all the head coaches. Today. I am. You know what? And I I think it's fair, Shane. I mean, listen. I hope that when we're back on the air in you know almost two weeks, that Arizona's still playing, and we're talking Omaha. But how far do you think this team will go? Well, let's break down that 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 four team region for a little bit. And you know what's interesting about Arkansas and 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 Shotgun sort of alluded to this because they know they've had some injuries, but they're one of the best teams in the country. But none of their team statistics really stand out in terms of where they're at in the SEC. They're middle of the road in ERA in, in within the SEC. They're actually toward the bottom in opponents' uh, batting average, so they can be beaten that way. They're fourth to last in the conference in batting average, their own batting average. And they're fourth to last in slugging percentage, and they've grounded into the most double plays of any SEC team. But as Shotgun also said, they're thirty and four at home this season. They have as many losses at home as Arizona has road wins. Yeah. Okay. Arizona's four wow, and fourteen in true road games. Um, but it only applies if they play Arkansas. But that's still a big deal. And then you look, TCU's won six in a row. So they're just as hot as Arizona, if not more so. They just won the Big 12 tournament, and they tied for the Big 12 regular season title. And then Santa Clara's won eight in a row. And I know you have to consider the level of competition, but you talk about teams coming in hot. You could argue that TCU and Santa Clara are coming in even hotter than Arizona is. So yeah, I, I think Arizona might win a game in Fayetteville, maybe two. I'm feeling a little more encouraged after our interview with Shotgun. Um, yeah. But I think, either Ar I think Arkansas is going to advance out of that region, and I actually think TCU might be the team to take them out, if not Arizona. 
So I think uh, I like Arkansas to uh, to win that region as well. I think Arizona loses to TCU on Friday, uh, beats Santa Clara, and then loses probably to TCU again, and Arkansas cruises in that region. I mean, who knows? I don't know college baseball that well. Um, I no, guess no one wants to pitch to Arizona right now. I'll give I'll, I'll guarantee yeah, you that. But just that their pitching is just still and and look they they only had one bad defensive game in the tournament. You know that they held. ASU, like the shotgun said, ASU to three runs, Stanford to four, Oregon to five. That, that was all good. So, look, if they can do that, like give up maybe five or six runs a game, or even a run or two more than that in the, in regionals, they got a shot. I just, yeah, I I'm, I'm skeptical that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, if they pitched like they did against Oregon the other day, I would be, yeah. you know, ecstatic. I, I just, I don't see it. I think. I think a team like Arkansas. Now, listen, I saw Arkansas. I was watching them the other week. They played Vanderbilt. They were up eight to two in the eighth inning and lost ten to eight. Um, so, I mean, it happens even to the best of teams. That's I'm Arizona's not, kind of game. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, Arizona with their bats, they're not out of the game. Can the no. pitching get crucial outs? I guess we're going to find out. Listen, I, I hope we're still talking about them in a few weeks. I know it's really unlikely, but if they do, and let's say they were to advance out of this region, I guarantee you there, nobody's going to want to play them in the super regionals. Nobody. Well, remember Arizona softball was an underdog going to Arkansas yeah. a couple of years ago, yeah. and they came out of that region. And, and you, I remember you picked them to win. I I was I was a, a a doubter, a hater, as some might say, and and it worked out well for the softball team. Maybe the baseball team will do the same thing. Shane, I, there's nothing more that I would like to be proven wrong again and again. It's so much fun. Listen, we tell it like it is. We're not employed by the university. We we call it like we see it, and you know sometimes we're off base. We're not going to sit here and be cheerleaders when we don't think that there's a time to cheerlead. Now, at this point, the fact that the baseball team made it this far, you're darn right. We're, we're rooting hard for them. And listen, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you guys can tweet me and say, ha ha, you were wrong. They advanced out of Fayetteville. If they do, hey, go make some money on the sports betting sites because you can get some really good odds. Is Arizona, Arizona. what, like 150 to one right now to, to win? Some, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I'd probably save your money for now. I just, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, put, put five bucks on it for, you know, consider what Ole Miss did last year. They're probably about the I same mean, it's odds. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, remember Ole Miss knocked Arizona out twice. You know, they That's beat right. them twice and knocked them out. Um, That's right. And Arizona did beat the host team last year in Miami. So you'd never know. That's but, right. Uh, Shane, great show. Thanks to Shotgun Spratling for joining us. We're off again next week. We're missing it for the first time in 100 and almost 150 weeks. It's going to be very strange, Shane, not talking to you, but I hope you have a uh, hope you have a great vacation. We will be back in a few weeks with plenty to talk about, I'm sure. So for Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. <laughs>